This episode of The Great Equalizer is brought to you by Nurture One Nesting Cushions, safe and portable cushions for newborns that offer an ideal sensory environment for your baby. Designed by a unique team of dedicated moms who are also medical professionals, Nurture One Nesting Cushions allow for a smooth transition from feeding to crib, among many other benefits that make this the perfect product for every new mother, a must-have for parents who want to start out right. This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, we're talking sleep training. Plus, Charlene is still alive. And so is Sam. Honestly, I didn't think we were going to make it. It was touch and go there for a second. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Alive. Alive. Um, yeah, this Monday's caught me. <laughs> they do tend to sneak up on you, hey? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I had a lot to do this week, but it just, it, it's... Um, Really kind of took me by the scruff of the neck and laughed in my face. Yeah, I feel it too. Is what it did. So, um, can I just go into how I'm bombing at mommy? Let's go. We need some positivity. Well, I didn't murder my child this morning. Well, good for you. Yeah. I feel that pain often. I know exactly how you feel. So, well done. I'm just so despondent. I'm so despondent. I... You know when you send your kid to school and you're just like, you're not friends? <laughs> yes. You know? And I did. I almost killed him. I almost killed my husband. And again, with the hormones and the the wanting to kill people thing, it's always the fucking mom's fault. Even though they were absolute downright dicks to me this morning. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I think without sounding like one of those people... I don't think moms have it easy because sometimes kids are just ungrateful. You have to give and give and give of yourself endlessly and everyone else is always a hero. Yeah, exactly that. (laughs) Exactly that. Uh, So, yeah, I'm not going to go very deeply into it because we've got a guest today and so I want to get straight to that. But... Um, you know, I had to do a bit of solo soloing uh, today while Ray took his client for a service ahead of two weeks of Ray being away. Um, so it was just a little snack in preparation for what's the, to come. The two weeks of solo parenting, and the difference I think is when mommy's away, Elijah knows mommy's always going to come back and won't be away for too long. But when daddy's away, Elijah's very out of sorts, and he was a real prat to me this morning, like. <laughs> Firstly, just hanging on to me and I can't get anything done, not his, get not pack his lunchbox. Just not cooperating. Not feed him, not feed myself, not get dressed because he's clinging on to me because he needs a hug and because he wants, he doesn't want to go to school. He wants, he doesn't want me to go to work. He wants me to, to cuddle with him on the couch. And I'm just like, there's nothing more that I would want to do than just cuddle on the couch today. But that's I not don't get going to, do that. to happen. Mm. So... And but then as well, just the repetitive nagging and whining and 
mistreatment of me and by that i mean like not respecting that i'm on the loo and that you can't poke at my private parts and that <laughs> i'm in the shower and you can't open the shower door and bring the cold air in well i can mom and so i will and so i will <laughs> and he's screeching at me and crying at me and heart sore and mommy you hurt my feelings and 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 when ray walked through the door he had two seconds of just being calm and looked at Ray and said, Hello, Daddy, I missed you. Like this <laughs> cherub child. And I was just like, Fuck you both, actually. Just get out of my sight. <laughs> <laughs> so, my, my bad mom moments, in addition to all of that and me wanting to kill my child, um, is that I wanted to give Elijah half an ACC to get rid of the snot ahead of school, which I believe you can do, except I didn't. I gave him half a Carenza. Oh. See. Yeah. Nice. And I only saw it after I really, like, convinced him to, to down that Carenza. It's just like, you must get this down, my boy. It is your mate. And he got halfway, and he's like, it's not nice, mommy. And I said... Look, mommy's drinking all of hers. And I drank, 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 and I managed to get him finished. And I was like, yes, he got it in. And as soon as he took in that last drop, I realized it was Carenza and not ACC. And now? I panic texted my doctor and asked, is it okay? You know, should I be monitoring him? What the fuck did I do? Because <laughs> you're not supposed to give kids paracetamol or aspirin that's yes. in there. Yeah. And kids under six are not supposed to be having anything that's in Carenza. Yes, yeah. So that was my bad mom moment in addition to everything. It's just, yeah. Oh. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> um, I, my bombing at momming, I would say, I managed to start clearing out my kids' cupboards and uh, they have so much stuff that they don't use and wear and I started organising shelves and cupboards and things this weekend so that made me feel like a good mom because I'm organizing our lives nice. uh, <laughs> and then I suppose my bad mom moment was when well it actually didn't happen but Rick managed to convince me that I accidentally poisoned our child and I was devastated and I had a massive fight with him because how can you accuse me of that and he, he wasn't actually accusing me it's a long story for another day but he thought that the chicken fingers that I prepared for Josh he thought he saw a glimpse of something black in one of the chicken fingers and didn't think anything of it and black like what he thought maybe it was just something he, he thought Maybe it was a little hole. Because you know those chicken fingers, it's not like a solid piece of chicken. Yes. It's, it's not very healthy, I suppose. I shouldn't <laughs> be feeding it to my kid, but it's all he eats. No judges, whatever. It's yeah, like so that, it's... It's like that foamy that chicken. So he thought it was like an air bubble inside. Oh, okay. Because they've got little pockets of cheese in them as oh, well. Oh, okay. Because they're cheesy chicken fingers. Yeah. And so he glanced over and he says he noticed a little speck of something black in it. But he thought maybe it was a little air bubble or something. He didn't think much of it at the time. And then later that night, Josh started to vomit and just projectile vomit and wouldn't stop and wouldn't stop. That was the night that I was texting him. Oh my god, the the like weirdo night after the swine flu. After he had been completely better, so we thought it was unrelated to him being sick. Turns out that the same thing happened to me, the same thing happened to Jess, the same thing happened to Red. We all, after a couple of days of being better from the flu, then started projectile vomiting and had bad tummies. 
So I don't know why it works that way. Sorry, that's my reminder to um, <laughs> drink to water. Drink more water. <laughs> Self-care. Bombing it, bombing. Here we go. Self-care <laughs> moment for you. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Sorry about that. <laughs> Anyway, so, to, and then Rhett and I have this discussion, and, and I'm like, what happened? I mean, I don't understand what's happening here. And it's like, don't look at me. I'm not the one that poisoned the child. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> so, I felt like a terrible mother in that moment, and he didn't actually mean. So, how does the chicken? It was not, it, he didn't see anything. It must have just been an air bubble or whatever, because when we all got sick. So, it was like just that, part of the joke that yes. it's just like, you did this to Josh. Well, I don't think he was joking at the time. Hello, Munchausen syndrome. So <laughs> unhappy with him. But so, yeah, my, I was convinced that I was. That I, it was I the chicken fingers. Yes, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Also, I thought, I looked at both of my cute kids this weekend and I was just like, you guys are like little vampires sucking the life from me. So I, what I should have been a, like a loving moment <laughs> yes. Yes. Of, of your kids just playing sweetly on the floor. You were looking at them and going, you little fuckers, yes. actually. I thought they were vampires sucking me dry. I hear you. Great momming. I hear you. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I don't know. I think, um, you know, with all of the sick of June, you know, and how topsy-turvy this fucking month was mm. one thing that would really make us you know better moms is sleep I bottom line so. because with all the sickness and everything that's it just you don't sleep yeah but in order to sleep your kids need to sleep so essentially that's what we are going to be talking about today Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. Okay. So, your kids, Charlene, you always talk about them as the bad sleepers in your group of friends. They're yeah. notorious for being bad sleepers. Yeah, they are. Look, they, Josh is much better. Uh, he was, up until about 18, 19 months, he used to wake several times during the night. And then he stopped doing that and just slept calmly through the night. Thank God, because then Jessie arrived and she's been keeping me up all this time. And she's 18 months now and still wakes throughout the night. With Joshua, he had, he's always had poor diet just because he doesn't eat. So a lot of the night wakings I just put down to nutrition. Um, and I mean, there were little things we did and try to change and supplements here and there that, that did help in the end. But... Um, I don't know what actually made the change. Jessie still wakes often at night and she eats well. She eats well during the day. So I don't think it's a nutritional thing for her. Um, she didn't like to sleep in her cot anymore. So we moved her to her big bed, which for a while made the night waking, wakings uh, a lot less. But not. It's, it's not really that much different. She wakes three to four times a night. Having said that, I complain that they're bad sleepers, but they don't fight sleep. 
Mm. They don't fight to go to sleep. We don't have a problem with, no, you have to, I, I'm not the one standing in front of the clock at 10 o'clock at night still trying. With your child running around the house, screeching and you're crying just like, or like losing his mind. Our routines, our bedtime routines are like rigid. We do the same thing. It's so monotonous. I feel like I'm stuck in Groundhog Day, but that's what they need. To get them to sleep is not the problem. And when they wake up at night, they don't, battle to go back to sleep. I mean, they'll, they'll give a little bit of resistance here and there. I'll hold them, I'll snuggle them, I'll calm them, and they will just go drift off to sleep a little bit, knowing that I'm lying next to them. So it's that needing me to sleep. Mm. So, yeah, and then for some, for some people, they might frown upon that because you're creating a habit, they need to fall asleep independently. I don't know. I've heard so many stories and so many theories. I'm not an expert, and I don't think any of the opinions I have will be helpful for anybody listening. <laughs> no, I think she's just sharing our experience so you yeah. know that your kid is not abnormal will help, and that's where we're coming from. Mm. But we are getting a sleep expert on the line in just a few minutes because we aren't. We we cannot safely give anybody advice on this because it's it's truly just whatever works for our family, right? And I agree. And also I think um, sleep routine or, or sleeping um, is different for everybody because especially you were a breastfeeding mom. Your sleep routine was very different to what mine would be with my kids. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, what what's your take on it? Well, um, I mean, I did kind of stick to um, the Lilesh leagues of the world uh, during the early months um, because uh, those kinds of platforms that promote breastfeeding will always tell you that breast milk goes through a child faster than what formula milk does, which means they wake more often. So it's not going to keep them. Plus, breastfed babies go through cluster feeds. Mm -hmm. And so during those growth spurts, they are going to feed every one and a half hours, which means da -da, at that stage, they're not sleeping for three hours during the day for those stretches at a time because they're needing to feed more often. And then similar to you, I am very strict. And from five weeks, we were very strict with Elijah's nighttime routine, which has also been our saving grace. Another saving grace for me for daytime naps is crash. Elijah was at crash from five months and then they kind of took over where I left off with instilling naps. I must say being a breastfeeding mom, the naps um, in the daytime with a newborn helped a lot because he nursed to sleep, which some people disagree with, but it worked for me. Mm. And um, I nursed him to sleep for his daytime naps. And then, like I say, Krish took over. So now he still, come 12 o'clock, says he wants his dummy doo-doo. Mm. He, he needs to, are you tired, Elijah? Yes, mommy, I want to sleep. And he wants to have that nap. And so he's quite good with that. And I, I really think that um, him going to school so early has a big role to play in that. He hasn't, he's two and a half, hasn't yet dropped his midday sleep, which is great. And then at night, come off by seven, he's bathed and we are just about to read a story. And after the story, we turn the lights off and we do lie with him, mm. which is not um, the best thing according to certain experts. But you know what? I don't really have an issue with that. I feel like... It also doesn't bug me. I have to lie with my kids too. Yeah. 
Um, and a lot of people have said, wait till you have your next one. And I don't know, you know, whatever works for me, I'm not worried. Mm. So here's my question. Did you ever seek out the help of a sleep trainer? And if not, why not? I didn't um, explicit. I spoke to some people in the industry um, and just in conversation gained some insight and tips. And I listened to some talks um, uh, by sleep experts and sleep uh, consultants um, and read a lot of articles. So I really drew from there and never felt, I think because my kids never fought sleep. Having said that though, Josh fought daytime sleep. He some days would not nap. And so once he started to go to school, we didn't really battle with our daytime nap. From about 18 months, he was happier to sleep. He would sleep his daytime nap and so on. So I felt, I didn't really feel, I think if he was giving me that resistance at night and I was still up at like 10, 11 o'clock at night with this kid not wanting to go to sleep, I probably would have sought help. But yeah, the, like if it starts getting crazy, like this is unmanageable like now. Like you need sleep and already the, you cannot feasibly get the right amount of hours in that you need to sleep. Then I probably would have sought someone to come to my house and help us with our routine and whatever. But I think I probably never needed that because I had advice or I'd listened to advice from experts on sleep and I try to implement that, some of that stuff, um, like the routine and stuff that I had read about good versus bad sleep routines and that kind of thing. Having said that, there's so much information out there, so how do you pick and choose? Um, and so much contradictory information, information yeah. as per everything parenting related. Yeah, so I didn't specifically uh, go and look or book a consultation with a sleep consultant, but I did find some information that I read and heard helpful. So I think it depends on your situation and... Um, you need to follow your gut. If you're at your wit's end and you need help, then do it. I mean, find someone that can help you. There's no reason why you should be suffering. True. So guys, as discussed, we are not experts, but we know somebody who is. And so we've gotten someone on the line just for you. Stay tuned. So... Guys, listeners, we're bringing in the big guns and have asked Yulandi Bakker, MD of Local Sleep Consultancy, Goodnight, to weigh in as our sleep training expert. Goodnight is a baby and child sleep consultancy that specializes in helping parents with children who struggle to nap in the day or sleep soundly at night. Goodnight is passionate about overall sleep help health and will help you with a tailored approach specific to your family's needs. Good night's MD, Yulandi Bakker, traded the corporate hustle when she became a mother. But that was short-lived and we'll hear all about it now, straight from the source, because we have her on the line. Welcome, Yulandi. Hi, ladies. How are you? <laughs> Great, thanks. And super jealous, actually, of you sitting in Mallorca, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, so it is. I'm all relaxed and yeah, not sitting, sleep deprived at all. <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting in the freezing Joburg cold this morning. We're very jealous. I already swam twice today. <laughs> oh my word. Please have a cocktail on us, Yulandi. I will do, but I will do that after this. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so tell us more about yourself. Who are you? Who lives in your house? Um, what I, should we know about Yulandi Bakker? 
Okay, so I am a mom of two. Mine is already five and seven, almost six and eight, actually, pretty soon. Um, and yes, I started my journey actually in corporate, like you said before. And yeah, when I had children, I realized it's going to be very tricky to do that whole juggling act and everything. And I then studied teaching while my son, when, when, my, when my son was born, thinking I was going to be all bored at home with nothing to do, <laughs> how wrong I was. Uh-huh. And yeah, my son didn't sleep for a very long time, but I, you know, I was naive and I didn't know better and whatever. And then my daughter came along and she didn't sleep either. And I just thought, how is this possible? <laughs> how unlucky could one person be? And then Goodnight came into the picture and actually Goodnight helped me with my own daughter. Yes, um, you were first a client of the company. I was first a client of the company, yes. And then um, about three months later, as I was searching for a teaching job, Goodnight asked, hey, are you looking for consultants? And I said, hell yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I became a consultant. And three years later, I bought half the company. And now, yeah, five years down the line, I bought the other half. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's 670 families later. Wow. As Goodnight, we've almost helped about 8,000 families sleep. So, yes, it is really, yeah, it's it's a passion of mine because I didn't sleep for such a long time. And to this day, if I, if for some other reason, wake up once at night, I have refound respect for moms who wake up four to five times a day and just think, how, how are you being the best mom you can be if you're not sleeping? <laughs> it does sound like you find what you do very rewarding. I love it. Mm-hmm. I really, and every time I'm in, it's crazy. I mean, To this day, I can't stop helping families. Obviously, I've also got a business to run, but I can't stop helping families because I always say I get this deprivation of people telling me how awesome I am (laughs) (laughs) that I need to be (laughs) and I really love it because it's just so great when it's like I said after 640 it's still so great when a mom tells you hey my child slipped through and she's just and I mean she's the one who did it or even a parent is not always moms if they're just telling me how great they feel it's so amazing because they were the ones who did it yes I helped them to get there but they were the ones and they're just so you're relieved that finally something that they're doing is making a positive difference. Because if you've ever not slept, that is one of the biggest things is that you're just so you're trying this and you're trying this and you're trying this and you're trying this and it's not getting better. Mm. And that's so frustrating, especially when you're sleep deprived. Yeah, yeah. So Yolandi, tell us about exactly what Goodnight does. How, what is your approach um, and how do you kind of get cracking with one family? Okay, so we we really pride ourselves, and this is really something important. In the 640 families that I've helped, I, there's really not one way to do it. And that's important to remember. There is many roads that lead to Spain. <laughs> yeah. um, so um, in the end of the day, um, we start with the process very similar to an occupational therapist or someone like that. So we start off the process by sending the mom a questionnaire or the parent a questionnaire of about 10 pages of questions. Um, and this, we cover everything from nutrition, environment, sleep associations, Um, routine and schedule during the day, bedtime routine. So everything we cover in this 10-page questionnaire. 
it's different questions for each age group. We have questions. So whether or not it's an expectant mom or a newborn mom or three to 18 months, 18 to 24 months, 24 to three years and so on and so forth. So for each age group, we have a specialized questionnaire and then the moms or the parents have to complete that questionnaire. And then with that information, we custom make a plan for that family, specifically for them. And this is really like a step-by-step guide to show them this is what we want to change. We also provide the reasoning why we want to change things so that it's not just the mom us telling them what to do. They're actually understanding why they need to do it. Um, And then obviously how we are going to change things. Um, And then we have a consultation with them. Most of the time we do do consultations in person. We've got 18 consultants all over South Africa to help with this. Um, But we even help parents overseas so with technology uh, technology as we can see these days um we can talk to people all over the world and we've helped people from canada to new zealand so it's really we've helped all over the world but then we have a consultation for about an hour and a half to two hours where we work through the plan with the parents we always want as many people (laughs) that is part of the process to be involved in this consultation so if there's a nanny a dad, uh, whatever, a mom, everyone needs to be part of the consultation if they're part of helping sort out the child's sleep. Um, And that's, like I said, really, for me, the most important part about the consultation is to get to know the parents because they are their child's expert. They know that child the best. And we will be able to make the best plan for that family if we have the expert there. Um, we are the sleep experts. And with combination with the sleep expert and child expert, we get the plan that works for them. And then also afterwards, for two to three weeks, we help them to implement the plan. Okay. Got it. I like the yes. process, actually. I and, I And I like the fact that it's really tailored for each specific family. Because Charlene and I were just having a discussion now about sort of what we've done and neither of us actually went for sleep training uh, with our children. Um, I have a two and a half year old boy, Charlene has a three year old boy and a one year old girl. And, um, you know, we kind of rode the waves with them, but never found never were that desperate. Neither of us were that desperate to, to seek out help. But, you know, as a journalist, I was always kind of, I've always been chatting with experts like yourself. And a lot of them are like, say to me, oh, but you should be doing X, Y, and Z differently. For instance, um, sleeping with my toddler, um, or not sleeping with my toddler, lying with him till he falls asleep. That is actually something that brings me so much joy. So that is one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. And one of the questions that came actually from our listeners off of Instagram is some people see that as a problem, that your babies and toddlers associate you with sleep and need you to fall asleep. Right now, it's not really an issue for me. Um, You know, if I'm not kind of seeking help with that, but with something else, is it something that you would force me to change as a client or... You know, how do you kind of work around that? How would you advise me, should I say? Yeah, in the end, I always, a very common question is like, when's the best time to sleep train? So first, that's for me a double-sided question. 
So first of all, it's what do you see as sleep training? Mm. Because often when people talk about sleep training, they think I'm going to tell you, please leave your child in a room to cry it out until the next morning. And obviously, I, I honestly, in the 640 children that I've helped, I've never advised that. Um, but also from a sleep perspective, I can tell you that could be effective. But it doesn't help you let your child cry until the next morning and you just gave them a liter of Coke before they went to bed. That child's still not going to be sleeping and they're probably going to cry more than what they should. Okay, (laughs) so so you're saying like rather treat the symptoms than the problem essentially because you've got to look at what's getting you there. Yes. So And you have to, in a responsible manner, take on the sleep and change Mm -hmm. the sleep. So it doesn't help you just do sleep training whichever method you want to choose if you not don't have the whole blocks in place the environment's not right the nutrition's not a hungry baby will wake up Mm. um if you leave the light on the child will wake up so there's it's a holistic way that you want to look at it and not just one piece of the puzzle i would never force a mom to do something that they don't want to do. Got so it. Okay. if you say to me that you want to sleep with your child, then great. We work. That doesn't mean you or your child can't sleep because that's what you're doing. We just have to follow a different path to get there. Okay. Um, so, so there's certain things, because there's a lot of moms and a lot of listeners who love to co-sleep. Mm. Yeah, yes, I- of course. And I, I'm not a parenting expert. I'm yeah. a sleeping expert. I don't know which one is uh, going to get a Nelson Mandela and which is going to be a Robert Mugabe <laughs> when you're parenting style. Um, I also am a very passionate in the way that, you know, people always talk about attachment parenting or not attachment parenting. And I'm very, I would be very sad if that's the only options we have as parents. <laughs> Either you're an attachment parent or not. Right, They're, yeah. Parenting, parenting is a very wide prospect and sleep is one small aspect of the whole parenting journey (laughs) so when you're ready to change that that's when you should be you're changing it if you don't have a problem with it then why change it well that i'm so glad you said that because one of one of the things we wanted to ask you was is sleep training for everyone and i i'm i would be one of the moms that would probably listen to something like this and think to myself i'm battling a little bit with sleep but or with my kids sleeping but i'm too sheepish or fearful to reach out for fear of judgment and Mm. criticism of you are you doing this wrong and doing this wrong it is no surprise that your kid's not sleeping kind of you shouldn't be using the dummy you should be using the dummy so what would you say to someone that's listening to this who might be having a problem but they're scared to reach out because they're they're scared of being judged or being told that they're doing a bad job everything wrong yeah Honestly, if one of my consultants make you feel judged, I will fire them. (laughs) Because, um, once again, we're not parenting experts. We're sleep experts. So we will get the journey that works for your... And that's what I'm saying. That's what the follow-up is there. We have two to three weeks follow-up with every family that we help. So we decide on a plan A um, that we present to the parents. This is obviously the plan that we think is going to fit the parent the best. And keeping in mind, we ask questions like, what would you never be able to do okay. in our questionnaire? Mm. What, would, what are you uncomfortable? What have you read that you are uncomfortable with? Mm. So these are questions that we ask in our questionnaire. So once we make the plan, we already try to 
to address those issues and talk about those things and make the plan according to what the mom specified. So if someone's going to tell me I want to continue co-sleeping, then I'm obviously going to be, that's going to be part of my plan <laughs> mm. to continue to co-sleep. Okay. Um, but also another discussion on top of that, which probably is for another day, is I always tell to moms as well, co-sleeping is a choice of parents, not of a parent. <laughs> So it should be a discussion between Mm. the parents as well. So if all of you are happy with it, great, then let's do it. But if you're not all happy with it, please have the discussion and then we talk about it. Yeah. I want to ask. Sorry, sorry. I was just saying on the two to three week follow up, then is the opportunity for us to change the plan if need be. So we don't know how the child's going to react. But most importantly, we don't know how the moms or the parents are going to react to the plan. So if they, after the first night of us trying plan A, tell me, I cannot do this, I will never be able to, then I need to adjust my plan to get to a plan where they are comfortable with what we're doing. Okay, so it can be for everyone. If you have a problem, reach out and see how you can navigate those waters. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that I'm going to tell you, please leave your... I've never told that to anyone. But in the end of the day, it doesn't mean necessarily crying or screaming or anything like that. I've had lots of children that didn't cry. But (laughs) that being said, I also am realistic. And if you're changing something for a child the chances of them crying or protesting is a reality. <laughs> okay, that makes um, sense. Yolandi, as well, I wanted to ask that um, the, a c- common question in, um, you know, in, as part of your FAQs and whatever is, you know, what about when kiddos are going through leaps, teething, growth, growth spurts, stuff like that. And I mean, as a mom, I've experienced that and it has really been temporary. My child, I was up last night with my child who's typically a good sleeper, but he has a post-nasal drip and is coughing. And I kind of know, although today I'm sleep deprived because of that. It's not the norm. It's not actually the norm. So there are some things technically that they grow out of, um, and they might need you more sometimes. So, so yeah, I think the, the question is also what relates to that. Yeah, is so it will change. All, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some things will change. Obviously, sickness especially is a temporary thing. Not with all children. I have helped children where inevitably they have something like a, a milk protein allergy or something which can severely affect their sleep. And unless you address that issue, it's not going to improve the sleep. And I'm not a feeding expert. I'm not a health expert. I'm not a doctor. So I refer then out to a doctor or to some or a dietitian to sort out that problem. And once that problem has been sorted out, then we can work on the sleep if it's still a problem. (laughs) But um, the thing is that, so for me, sickness is a whole different conversation in sense of developmental milestones and teething. If you're going to wait until your your child is done teething, you will only sleep when they're three years old Mm. because they teeth a very long time, Mm. even after that, some some children. So so I find that teething is very seldom actually the reason why children are not sleeping. Yes, like you said, you do get the odd occasion, but it's a night or two. It shouldn't Mm. be weeks of teething. 
then most probably those parents are using it as an excuse <laughs> too quickly because they're looking for a reason why their child is not sleeping. Okay. Um, so that being said, you do get children that really teeth badly, but also parents are sometimes not you're able to read the signs from because you can't ask the baby, hey, are you teething? Are you no, in pain? No, exactly. So you make a questionable, uh, you know, guess or uh, informed decision <laughs> from yeah. all the symptoms. But very often around about five, six months, parents think their children are teething because they're drooling all over the place. And more often those symptoms are associated with the fact that they're mouthing a lot of things, things and that and causes a lot more of drooling. saliva, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the saliva causes those dummies. If you think of all the saliva coming out, imagine all the saliva going in, <laughs> and that could... is actually causing those weird diapers, also. Sometimes, yes, yes. So, there is multiple things, but developmental milestones most definitely can affect babies and their sleep, some more than others. Um, so we have, we call it regressions, sleep regressions. Yeah, yes. So um, <laughs> um, for me, how I explain any kind of developmental milestone, even when I speak to parents, because this is something you need to prepare them for, for the future, because I don't create a plan just for now. I create a plan for forever. <laughs> I don't want the child to sleep only for now. I want them to sleep forever. Okay. <laughs> um, um, so I tell them that, in the end of the day, the biggest variable is always changing. The child, obviously. Yes, yes. Um, every day is different. Their child is not going to be the same child this week that they were last week because they're growing all the time. Yes. And with that growth, sometimes comes things that um, affect their sleep. Okay. So various ages have different regressions. I don't know if you guys want me to go into more detail with that. Um, but inevitably, it doesn't help you bring in bad habits to deal with those regressions. Okay, so if previously you were feeding your child to sleep and now they're sleeping fine, all of a sudden they don't sleep fine and you bring in those old habits again. Mm. The only thing that you're doing is actually giving them a crutch to deal with those new emotions or things. You're not actually giving them the opportunity to deal with it on their own. Okay. What I'm saying is not leaving them to deal with it on their own, but rather trying other things to do with it. So it's like walking, for instance. If your child can walk one day, they can't not walk the next day. Okay. The same with sleeping. If they have the skill and they know how to sleep, which is very natural, the next day they're not, not going to be able to sleep. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so you just have to create the environment for good sleeping. <laughs> okay, and I think this is this can be such a lengthy, interesting discussion. We sh mm. we should probably um, take this specifically this t topic a little bit further because I think a lot of people have questions around this. For example, when babies are in pain or they go through their leaps, they do those cluster feeds and and things like that. So. It can also become habitual because as they grow older, moms who still breastfeed, I suppose, beyond a year, who, who breastfeed closer to two years when they are toddlers, then that also becomes a sense of comfort and soothing. So they, they need to feed, they need to breastfeed 
uh, with mom to fall asleep, which that then becomes a sleep association. Perpetuates that cycle. And I think this is also where breastfeeding moms get get confused because am I doing the wrong thing? What do I do? Because the baby did sleep without feeding to sleep, but now they're they're going through a leap and they need that comfort and they need the breast. Do I do it? Do I not do it? I don't know the answer. <laughs> and I mean, that is really, I mean, in the end of the day, I'm super pro breastfeeding and I would never tell a mom to stop breastfeeding. Even, doesn't matter how old the child is. But I also know if you are feeding a child four times, a, a child, now I'm talking about a toddler of mm-hmm. 18 months, three or four times a night still, that the bonding of that is gone. It's more work than what it is nice yeah. if you're doing it every night. <laughs> yeah, it becomes so work, I always yeah. say that, yeah, because you're, it's like if someone tells you I love you 10 times a, a night, then the, the, the nice of to, this is... Yeah. I'll wake you up to just tell you I love you. Thanks, I know, let me sleep. <laughs> um, so then it becomes work. So it's not about taking the breastfeeding away. It's just putting it at the right time. There's ah. a time to eat and there's a time to bond and there's a time for breastfeeding. It's not when we're supposed to be sleeping. So it's just strategically putting it in a different place. Okay. That's what it's about. And um, so it's, and I mean, with a breastfeeding mom, I would also never just immediately cut out all feeds because I'm always attentive to make sure that you don't affect the supply. So we always gradually move it out and try to give the baby a chance to move it out naturally rather mm. than abruptly cutting it out. So to wean <laughs> itself, if that's what the mom wants, then you give yes. the opportunity for yeah, the baby I mean, to once wean again, instead of cutting it. Yes, but once again, I've never told the mom to stop breastfeeding. It's always just about, listen here, this is, let's rather feed before bath time than after bath time, mm. just so that there's more than enough time to still cuddle and work in that perfect bonding time, but that your baby's not falling asleep while doing that. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, Yolanda, yeah. we had a, a listener call in or actually email me and uh, with quite a lengthy little story. So I'm going to relay her story to you. And I think it's, okay. it's quite an interesting one because it's very specific and, and you do deal with okay. individuals. So I'd be keen to see what uh, what you have to say, just sort of so people can get a feel of the type of advice that you would give. Um, okay. Basically, she just wanted to know, why is my baby a mini arsehole when the sun goes down? <laughs> so to, <laughs> to give you some background, he is a very sociable and friendly baby throughout the day, but when nighttime hits, all he wants is mommy. And um, even to the point that if daddy walks into the room, the crying just gets worse and louder as the baby wakes, which incidentally is every two hours. And uh, then the minute mom walks in, crying stops. So, uh, and then she did also add to that um, that she baby wears during the day. So she wanted to know from you if baby has a positive, if baby wearing has a positive or negative effect on then sleeping effectively at night. This baby is now, I think, eight months, eight nine months. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So once again, when we look at it, we do look at it from a holistic perspective. So even before I say, listen here, this and this and this and this needs to change, eight-month-old babies all have FOMO. 
fear of missing out. <laughs> <laughs> so they are really very, I mean, it's like the peak of separation anxiety and all things like that. Um, so, of course, baby wearing is going to be very nice for them at that age. And it doesn't have a positive or negative effect necessarily. Um, as long as the baby's sleeping for me during the day, that's what's important. Um, shouldn't sleep the entire day. Should also eat and play yeah, and no, things sure. like that. But if if if, <laughs> but, but if you're baby wearing baby and he's sleeping in that manner, it's still it's fine. It's it's fine, okay. um, especially during the day. As long as the baby's sleeping. But also for me, you always have to think that your baby's not going to be eight months forever. Mm. So an eight-month-old baby usually weighs between six and eight kilos, which is still something that you're able to carry around and baby wear. But soon your baby's going to be between 10 and 15 kilos, yeah. which you're not going to be able to do. So um, you also have to think that for the future, it might not be ideal. Um, so you might be able to, but while you do it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like morning cuddles as well. I tell people, enjoy them because eventually you have a toddler that does not cuddle at all anymore. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. enjoy those morning cuddles while you can. <laughs> yeah. um, so um, for an eight-month-old, I start always off with, the daytime, there needs to be sleep. An eight-month-old should be able to stay awake between sleeps about three hours. Okay, so very specifically for me, there's three things during the day that can help your day. First of all, like I said, the awake time. The second thing that you want to start doing is following what we call the sleep-feed-play schedule. And that's that strategic feeding I was telling you about. So you rather want to feed your child when they're waking up rather than before they're falling asleep, okay? Mm. The reason, first of all, is we want, from a sleep perspective, we want to break a feeding and sleeping association. Secondly, it does help that your baby, when they wake up, they're getting a proper feed. <laughs> mm. Because when they're sleepy, they're not necessarily going to take in a proper feed. And obviously, it also helps with cramping. I don't know if either of you have ever tried pooping while you're lying down. It's not easy. <laughs> I, I have not. But, uh, <laughs> thanks. Now I but don't need to try you, it. <laughs> <laughs> but babies, babies, that's why if they're feeding, they can be upright a little bit. Burp, poop, all those things that they need to do. And then go lie down and sleep. Whereas they're feeding and then lying down, it just makes the cramping worse, reflux worse, all those things. So a sleep feed play schedule has many benefits. Okay, okay. <laughs> the third thing during the day that I tell parents is that look at your day as a 12-hour day and a 12-hour night. Okay, So start off your day between 6 and 7 and then end off your day between 6 and 7. <laughs> okay. You will have a lot more uh, or a lot higher chance to actually um, have a flow of your day if it starts at a similar time. So start off at a similar time between six and seven. I also be flexible. You, we are working here with uh, children, not robots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also end off your day between six and seven. Sometimes you might need to put bedtime a little bit earlier if you didn't have a good nap day. But also at the latest, you want your baby or your child up until the age of five years to go to bed at seven because babies and children need 11 to 12 hours of sleep at night. Mm. So 
10 o'clock is not an appropriate bedtime for any child. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the first thing with regards to the day. Also include a good bedtime routine as part of it. Include dad as part of that bedtime routine. <laughs> now, with this example especially, there's also lots of aspects. First of all, moms are babies' safe zones. And that's why they're always more cranky and all of that when they're around us. It's like with you guys with your husbands, for instance, probably do things in front of them that you would never do in front of other people. <laughs> and, and bitch a lot more you in their know. ear than we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because you know they're still going to love you. And that's the same with babies. They know they can do whatever mm-hmm. they want to. We're still going to love them. And that's why they always eat much better at school and have a tantrum about a banana in front of us at home, yeah. <laughs> which they ate yesterday very happily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why also, um, definitely they are. But between uh, separation anxiety peaks between seven and nine months, eight months. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and this is also why that when she goes out and dad comes in, baby is screaming a lot more. So it has to do with that. But in the end of the day, dad's also not going to get better if he doesn't get a chance. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. with moms, we also don't, you know, give way <laughs> for that. Of course we can do it better. But yeah. once again, they're not going to get better if they're we not going to get a chance try. to do yeah. it. Yeah. We don't let them try. So, and that also, I mean, dad just becomes more anxious because now the baby's crying even more and he's like thinking, oh, my wife's going to come in just now again and I'm such a crappy person. And I that's should. also the baby's feeling, that anxiety. Yeah. So just give him a chance. He's probably going to find, but it's also not the end of the world if mom comes in and helps a little bit more. But the waking up at night is for me always a symptom of the problem. Okay. okay. It's not often people try to fix the nighttime, but in reality, that is only, like I said, a symptom of the actual problem. If baby's falling asleep with mom at bedtime, it's a lot harder for a baby to fall asleep without mom when they wake up during the night. Mm. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That so, was the sleep association. So, so to, to feel comfortable yeah, so falling asleep again, they need mom. Yes, they need mom. So you don't, if you want to change it, you want to change it then at bedtime and have the baby fall asleep on their own or with mom close by or whichever way you're going to choose to do it. There is where learning doesn't happen at 2 a.m. at night. <laughs> it happens when baby is alert and awake not in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. so that's why i'm saying is there is where the strategy needs to happen (laughs) let dad be part of the bedtime routine and mom part of the bedtime routine yulandi one last question and that um i'm keen to hear what some of the like really simple solutions are that's just like a no-brainer for better sleep like you mentioned simply switching off the light or making sure your baby eats enough or, you know, those type of things. What are some simple things that parents can do to change their routine now and maybe see if they can get a few out, few more hours of sleep into their kid? Yeah, so definitely, like you said, switching off the lights. Babies or toddlers only start becoming afraid of the dark from around two 
two years of age. Imagination does start around 18 months, but I mean, don't just start imagining being afraid of the dark like that. <laughs> it mm-hmm. takes a little bit of time. Also, I honestly sit now with this eight-year-old, almost eight-year-old, who's afraid of the dark because I introduced a nightlight. Mm. So, um, yeah, sometimes you can also create a fear. Yeah, the problem, um, yeah. So make it as dark as possible in your child, um, child's room. That's definitely one of it. Also create a very safe space for your child to sleep. So there shouldn't be anything in a baby's cot. Literally, they don't even need a pillow. Um, any blanket should be safe, TOG-rated sleeping bags. Any other blanket is not 100% safe. Um, I mean, and now in winter, you need a sleeping bag. In summer, you don't even need anything. You just need a baby grow, mm, yeah. <laughs> um, if even, because it becomes so hot. Mm. Um, but there doesn't need to be anything in the cot. And also from five months, the cot needs to be at the lowest level. Mm. Um, not high up anymore because baby can fall out. But um, a bedtime routine is something, even as an adult, if you have sleep problems, the first thing a doctor is going to tell you is implement a set bedtime routine. And even with parents who are not keen on routine, remember, it's only to signal your child that sleep is coming. (laughs) Mm. Um, They don't know, oh, it's seven o'clock, you better go sleep. Those things help to give them a concept of time to know this happens, this happens, this happens, and then I need to sleep. So a consistent bedtime that is not too late. That's definitely important. Environmentally also, um, if you have more than one child, white noise can be quite helpful, mm-hmm. um, especially with newborns. They love white noise. Um, so you want to um, it's very noisy in the room, so they don't like quiet. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. implementing white noise that is on throughout the night, not just in the beginning of the night. So throughout the night and throughout the nap, so not on a timer or anything. Um, that's also very important. And then, like I said, following a little bit of a routine during the day, not too strict or rigid. <laughs> Definitely not. We're working with children, not robots. Yeah. But... Um, to follow a little bit of an awake time during the day, depending on your child's age at about four months, it's about an hour and 45 minutes. Like I mentioned earlier, eight months, it's about three hours. And by 12 months, it's three and a half hours that they need to be awake between sleeps. <laughs> okay. Lenny, yes. I, you know, I could really appreciate um, your insight, especially all the way from Mallorca. And um, I, I kind of think that this is going to help us, especially in a lot of our listeners feel a lot less fearful of the concept of sleep training, <laughs> that nobody's going to force so. us to lock our poor kid in a room and or not to cuddle at night when that's all we really want to do at the end of a hard day. Yes. Um, so thank and you, you should much. continue to do that. <laughs> well, I certainly will until he pisses me off like he did this morning every day. <laughs> becomes <laughs> an he, asshole at night. Exactly, until he becomes an asshole at night as well as in the morning and then he can put himself to sleep. Really. <laughs> Listen, Yolandi, we are going to put our listeners Cross. in touch with Good Night and... Um, Hopefully, uh, yeah, a lot of our listeners who, like I said, were fearful of it will be open to it now. Yeah. Thank you so much. Ah, No, I hope so too. No problem. Thanks so much, ladies. You should have a good day. You too. Keep well. Cheers. 
it was a mo- yeah. like quite a, an interesting little bit of information, I, I thought. I'm, I was hesitant about it and am more open to it now that I feel a little less judged and a little more like, you know what, a mom actually does have a say in all of it. Yes, because I think for me my reservation was the, the last thing I wanted to be faced with is yeah, but you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong. So no wonder your child doesn't sleep and we have to change this and this and this and this. But still, I mean, there are some things that it might be a bad habit, but maybe I want to lie with my kid because our lives are so damn rushed and I actually, even though it might be inconvenient sometimes, and say, for example, we're going out to dinner this evening for a birthday thing, Mm -hmm. but my kid will need to be in bed by like half past seven asleep because that's their like strict routine that I've introduced. But she won't fall asleep. Like I can't like push her in a pram or something to doze off while we carry on with having our dinner. So what do I do? Do I keep her awake? Or I mean, it's a bad habit because my kid can't sleep without me lying next to her and her bedtime routine. Yeah. But I mean, you it's don't a go out to dinner every night. It's, it's a, a once off thing, exactly. But people say, "Yeah, you like." I remember with Josh being judged by other people saying that your kid should fit in with your life. No, but the, and as Yulandi said, they're, they're small they're people. people, and they're not robots. They and remember that they're human beings. They need routine and structure, and yes. to feel safe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So. That I like that. That was a big learning for me today. That especially with Good Night as a consultancy, they allow you the freedom to have input and say, absolutely cannot go without this or am prepared to let go of that. Exactly. I think it's nice to know that you... Because you know your child best. I love that she said that, that we're not, we're not parenting experts, yeah? We're sleep experts. You know your kid best. And so we work together. So that was really nice. That said, if you are at a complete loss, they do have basic tenets that you can implement, like the sleep, feed, play routine. Whereas if you're a breastfeeding mom and you abs- like, she's got the reasoning why sleeping to feed is not great. But if you decide that you love that part of your relationship with your baby, I don't think that they're going to judge you for wanting to exactly continue with like that. she said. And like with the, the um, listener who asked about the baby wearing, there's no pros. or She won't explicitly say there's it's good or bad. Mm. Um, realistically, if you need to at some point transition from, okay, now my kid's literally too heavy to baby wear and sleeping's still a problem – they will be able to help you with that because realistically you're not going to be able to baby wear your kid to sleep forever. Mm. So there are ways and means, like she said, there's many roads to Spain. So I, I, I really like that. Will you be doing anything differently, do you think? I might actually, I do feed Jessie to sleep. So I might, I might change that and rather try and feed her when she wakes up because I've noticed she can fall asleep without like her daytime nap. She doesn't need her bottle. In fact, it would suit me better if she drank her bottle when she woke up rather than when she went to sleep because now she goes to sleep drinking the bottle. Then she wakes up. It's lunchtime. She's supposed to eat lunch, but she's still full because she had her milk like an hour and a half ago Mm. before she fell asleep. 
milk takes her four hours to digest at a, uh, at very least, mm. which means she wakes at like half past one. So then two, three, she only eats at four. Then we're at dinner and bath time. So, so all of that is out of sync actually. And like yeah. she made me think about what you're doing. Her nighttime waking is probably symptoms of the nutrition that's a little bit off. So I don't know. I might try it. I might try it. Okay, yeah. I, I think a lot of when Elijah does happen to wake up, sometimes, okay, he mostly sleeps through until half past four, five, then comes and cuddles with us. We love it. We don't want to change anything about it. But um, he might wake up half past 11, 12. And that is typically when we, because our bathroom, our bathroom is between his room and our room. Mm. And I think that bothers him. So the way that our house is situated and um, the way that we're spaced out as a family impacts on his sleep. Mm. Just like the light, obviously someone making a noise in an adjacent room to you is going to interrupt your sleep. Mm. And so that's something that I'll be a lot more cognizant of. It can be as simple as that at the end of the day. Mm. Mm. Also, I have to say, and this leads us to chat about our sponsor today, Mm. is that I will actually be doing something a little different when and if I have um, a second child. And that is being a lot less fearful of um, my putting my child to sleep in a cot or a Moses basket or a camp cot or anywhere else other than my arms or baby wearing in the future. Um, So Nurture One is our sponsor uh, for today's episode. And I'm actually quite sold on these nesting cushions. I used a Nurture One pillow with both of my children when they were little babies. And I 100% believe in that product. Um, I didn't buy bedding or mattresses or pillows or anything for the kids. Um, they, it was just the open cot and this nesting cushion. And as newborn babies, up to about, I'd say, six, between six and eight months, my kids slept quite well, actually. Depending on the leaps and the, that yeah, kind of thing, but, but you were happy. I was, I was happy. I didn't think that we had a problem with sleep. And these pillows, what I loved about them is that it's like you can take it anywhere you go. So it it smells like their environment always because it's their little cushion that they sleep on. And you're actually supposed to have the cushion even before baby's born, if you if you want to introduce your baby that, uh, to, you know, sleep in a Nurture One cushion, which is basically, um, it kind of has, it, it, it's, I mean, it's a nesting cushion. Mm. So just similar to what you would have in Niku, they kind of form a little, you know, border around your baby. So it just keeps them nice and snug, but mm-hmm. still in a very safe way. And um, like any nesting cushion. So you have a lot in the market. Nurture One is the one you used. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it kind of, it has a little sort of flap of material over that keeps your baby really snug, Mm -hmm. similar to in the womb. So it basically emulates that environment. Exactly. And isn't that the whole thing? That's what I was going to say is that you, um, if you decide this is what you want to do with your newborn, you get the pillow, um, a few weeks before you have your baby, get your scent on the pillow. And then that environment always smells like Like mom. Mom, yes. Yeah. Which I think is great. And it also comes with a wedge that you put under the pillow. 
Yes. Um, to elevate it slightly towards the, the head part where babies like top part of their body is. Yeah. To help with, um, I mean, fee- once a baby's Feeds fed. And, yeah, and any kind of reflux. Any kind of reflux that. or anything like that. I love that it was, um, it actually helped. I was always worried about, is baby going to be cold? Is baby going to be hot? That kind of thing. So this little pillow that they basically like sink into without, like I don't want to make it sound like they drown in it, but it, it kind of holds them safely as though they would be snug in the womb. It, um, I always felt like, okay, baby's warm enough just because they are. They're so snug. They're so snug in this little pod that they're sleeping in essentially. So one thing I really did wrong as a newborn a mom to a newborn is um I was so deathly afraid of SIDS and cot death mm. that Elijah's um cot had literally nothing in it. <laughs> no cot bumper, no pillow, not even a lot of blankets. He was mostly in um like a little uh baby grow uh, or a grow bag or a you know mm. you know those um Little sleep sacks. Sleep sacks, yes. yeah. He was yeah. basically in sleep sacks until about 12, 18 months, um, until he grew out of them. And then only did I introduce um, a blanket. And only at about 20 months did I introduce a regular pillow. Well, mine slept in their little sleep sack, both of them, on the on, on, on this, the cot. On this pillow in the cot. And it, I also had nothing in the in the bed and also mine didn't have blankets at all and Josh is only recently in fact I have to go and check on him at night when Jess wakes me to make sure he's under a blanket because he's so used to not sleeping with anything yeah this this product this nurture one though for me was just a life change I've recommended it to all my friends well it does it kind of rests my mom heart because I had Elijah as I say just kind of in this desert of a cot because they're so oh, tiny <laughs> and then <laughs> lost you, in this they cot. get lost in this huge cot and it wasn't bulked up or whatever and I just as I've said before I stood my ground with anybody who said don't you want to rather put a little something in to bulk up the cot and make him feel secure and it's I'm just like I'd rather he he lives, lives. Yeah. I was just that um nervous about it nervous about yeah. it so I have high hopes that um with a, an additional baby in the Herbst clan, that something like the Nurture One will give me the peace that my baby is going to be in a very safe space but still feel nice, snug and secure. Yeah. I think mine definitely, I think it was a combination of everything, but I would recommend that damn thing to any any parent and it's quite cute because they come with a little pillowcase as well you can buy a little pillowcases that pull over the part where the baby's head lies because you know sometimes they they dribble or they spit up or whatever after a feed in the middle of the night yeah and so you pluck that pillowcase off chuck it in the wash and put a clean one on for tomorrow night another nice thing about this product is you can chuck it into the wash and into the tumble dryer and just like wiggle it with your hands and reposition all the Filling for it to be in the right position for tonight's sleep with baby again. Brilliant. Yeah. I love it. I love this cushion. Um, and then after I kind of, they were on my radar, I spoke to Charlene listeners and Charlene was like, oh yes, I know. I use them for both my babies. I was like, what? 
You never told me. I've got to have another baby now just so I can use a nurture one cushion. <laughs> so for those of you expecting or with newborns, uh, we have a surprise. Hooray. You will have an opportunity to um, get a nurture one pillow for yourself. Uh, all details, as always, will be up on our social media. But, um, you know, competition rules, rules will be stock standard. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll sort of have a chance to put your name in the hat to receive a Nurture One pillow and a wedge for yourself. And, uh, yeah, super excited. I wish I could uh, actually keep it for myself. <laughs> just for in case. Unfortunately, you have to give it away. Okay, I Plus, will. Plus, you don't even have a baby in the pipeline, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. No, I don't. No, you don't. <laughs> so, what did we learn today? We learned a lot. Yeah, I think it was quite a mouthful, but um, every like with most things parenting, every household is different. So if you're battling with sleep, there is help out there, and um, the right kind of help for your family will be dependent on obviously who you use. But what we do know is that good night is willing to be flexible to work around what is doable for you, and. If you don't feel like you're battling, then, you know, and you want to stick it out a little bit longer, yes, the, the, like Yolandi said today, the biggest variable is always changing, the baby. So you're going to battle with sleep from time to time. But like she said, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, months on end, you don't have to go through that. No. There is help. No, exactly. And that help is not as scary as you might think it is. Exactly. And there are people out there that are not as judgy as you, as would, you would think. Imagine, yes. Mm -hmm. And also, if you're starting out and you have a newborn, a nice way to get into a good sleep routine and sleep association is potentially investing in a Nurture One pillow. Go have a look because I would gen definitely recommend it to to anybody who is expecting. Also, such a nice baby shower gift. Mm. Eh? It really. I gave my friend um, uh, one for her baby shower, and just because I believed in it, it was probably the most boring gift she got. But it, it, I just believed in the product so much, and I think that to set yourself up on a good foundation to start with sleep on a good foot, it's a very helpful product. And then after that, as they grow older and the kids develop habits, then that's where you need to look into sleep training if you if you do battle. Yeah, so first and foremost, if you guys are keen to get on the right footing with your newborn and uh, to have a nice, safe, secure spot for them to lay their head, if not on your chest. safe, snug <laughs> chest, then head on over to nurtureone.co.za and you'll learn all about the Nature One Pillow, which I have to say is backed medically. Yes, They're I love that about it as well. Yeah, um, so developed by medical professionals. Um, and then if you do have a bit of desperation in you <laughs> and you need sleep yeah sure all of us need more sleep but if you're really at that point that you feel like you need some professional help good nights email um, 
Goodnight's website is goodnightbaby.co.za. Goodnightbaby.co.za. So um, it will put you in touch. Keep a look on our social media and um, we'll have links up uh, for all of that. You know, so it's yeah. just a way to click of a button. And if you have any questions about today's episode or if you have any other sleep-related questions or even about the Nurture One Pillow, how about we keep talking about that? Hit us up on social media. Um, as we always say, you know where to find us. Um, you can uh, hit us up on Instagram, DM us a voice note uh, on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast. Or uh, record one on your phone and hit us up over email, thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com. That's how we helped our listener today. She sent an email through to us and we got some answers for her, I think. Yes, I hope that she um, uh, appreciates the the input that we got Um, because it was really helpful. Yeah, it was certainly insightful. Also, feel free to tag us in your Instagram or Facebook posts with the hashtags bombing at momming or... Uh, hashtag bad mom moment. Fuck me, that was me today. God <laughs> We're just all over the place today, yeah, you and I. Yeah. This is a regular old blue <laughs> Monday. But your support, as always, is very important to us. You have no idea how much we appreciate your interaction. Every love, like, comment, share, it means so much to us. Please keep them coming. Also, review us on Apple Podcasts. I saw we had a few reviews trickling in, and I super appreciate it, guys. Um, or rate us on Facebook and write a review for us. And also hit that subscribe button so that you can be prompted whenever a new episode does come up. Yeah, you never know. It might be a topic that um, is very relevant to you. You might just be in the thick of your sleep battle and there's your reminder, listen to the sleep episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the more we're seen, the better this podcast will do. So, And that's obviously our biggest objective, to do well so that we can keep helping moms that are walking through the trenches with us (laughs) indeed tune in next week guys we're gonna have a chat about aunties and uncles so that's it for this week then until next time keep Keep your your mom game game strong For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizerza.com or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com and we'll get back to you.